Welcome to the Impact Nations podcast. My name is Tim. I am your host. And today I'm really excited to be announcing to you season three of the podcast. As we enter into the new year on January 2nd, we're going to be releasing our first episode of our season three series, which is called The Mystery of Christ, uh, which once again will be featuring the teachings of Steve Stewart. Uh, And as always, we'll be including your questions and uh, having a chat with some of our favorite theologians and authors about some of those questions that have come up during the teaching. Uh, So today, as a part of that introduction, I thought... Uh, wouldn't it be fun to have a quick chat with Steve, I call him Dad, uh, on exactly what we can look forward to. So welcome to the podcast, Dad. Well, thank you. <laughs> welcome to your podcast, I guess. It's so welcome. <laughs> so good to be welcome. Um, can you just kind of fill people in a little bit on why you're, you're teaching a series on the mystery of Christ? Yeah, you bet. Um, this is really... Um, Uh, is a reflection and in one sense an overflow of my own personal journey for seven or eight years now. Uh, Of all the podcast series we're doing, uh, this one uh, one, comes out of of the most study, the most thinking and, and, you know, other writing I've done. I am, uh, I'm convinced that we have uh, in the church embraced uh, too small of a Christ. I've shared that in the John series, but now I'm going into, I hope, into really the depths of this. You know, uh, when Paul addressed this mystery of Christ, which, by the way, he did 21 times in the New Testament, 28 times, but he talked about it in terms of unsearchable riches. And, and sometimes I think we, uh, especially those who come from the evangelical Uh, stream of things, and I know our listeners come from more liturgical backgrounds, evangelical, charismatic, non-charismatic, we have quite a a mix, but especially those that come from the evangelical, we've almost avoided mystery, and we've we've kind of seen scripture as propositional truth, Um, this is what God is like, if you do this, this happens. He is in a mystery that is incredible. And this is a, a subject that gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Frankly, uh, I, what I thought was going to be six weeks became eight weeks, became ten weeks, and it goes on and on. Um, we, we need to understand Christ beyond our um, thinking about Jesus, the carpenter's son, who came as the son of God. One of the strongest themes running through this whole series of podcasts is the the power and the implication of the incarnation. Uh, that that the creator entered his creation, and conversely, the fully human Christ is forever part of the Trinity and what this means for us and what this means for our own relationship. So that's why I've written or I've uh, put together this podcast, which is, of course, a series of teachings that I I gather people together and and I teach them. And I can clearly say I have I've never felt as as stirred on any series that I've taught in 40 years of teaching. So, 
to, to ask us a really crass question, what difference does it make in the, in the everyday lives of a Christ follower? Why, what difference will it make for us to dig deeper into the mystery of Christ uh, in the way that we interact with our, with our neighbors, with our loved ones? How will it change our walk? I think that as we begin to recognize, um, as we begin to recognize Christ in us and around us and in our midst, we start to recognize Christ in the world around us. The incarnation is about all of creation now being Christ-breathed. And uh, I actually, I even see the material world a little differently than I used to. Um, and certainly my, it has profoundly impacted uh, the way I, I see other people, um, both in and outside the church. And it has really impacted the way that I see myself. One of the themes that will come through is not that the incarnation is not just an event, it's a shift, an eternal shift from now on. Therefore, it's not just that God created me, he is creating me. Hmm. Everything is being created continuously, and that has shifted so much in my worldview. Is this going to be too dense for us no. average Joe Blow? No, it's no. not. Uh, you know, I've worked for years on on teaching things in a way that that are practical, applicable and understandable. But I will be drawing. I'll be drawing from um, you know, 5 centuries, 6 centuries of church fathers. I'll be drawing from different traditions, but always bringing it down to what difference does this make? Yeah. Um, I think that we're going to do a clip just so people get a little taste. And it's a small clip of one that I did just uh, a month or two ago on uh, on the Eucharist. And, of course, there's two views, you know, do this in remembrance of me, which, again, tends to be the Protestant evangelical emphasis. They they see the, the Lord's Supper as something we brings us back to remembering what he's done. Mm-hmm. But the other side is he said, this is my body. This is my blood. And that's kind of more in the liturgical stream. So I'm I'm going to talk about that. In this clip, we'll talk just about the bread. Again, as it relates to being profoundly incarnational in all of creation. Yeah. Hmm. So we're going to play that clip, what, about 10 minutes or so? Yeah. Uh, Just as a little sneak peek of what's to come. That's from a later episode in the season. Uh, so I hope you enjoy that. I, th- I think it's going to be a fantastic season. And as I said, we're going to stop, as we normally do, every couple of episodes we'll stop and, and have a chat with uh, with some different guests just to dig deeper into some of these uh, questions that come out of it. And as always, we're inviting people to send their questions to podcast at impactnations.com, and we'll be sure to discuss uh, your specific question during an episode. So just before we play that clip, I just want to draw people's attention to our year-end giving campaign. Uh, We're calling it Double Your Impact. We've actually got uh, friends of the ministry who have pledged $70,000 in matching funds. Um, Actually, I'm happy to announce that that is now 70. It was 50, uh, and then uh, we hit that mark. We've already cleared past our goal of 50,000, and somebody's pledged another 20,000 in matching funds. So uh, really excited to be able to announce that. If you'd like to head to impactnations.com slash give, 
give. Uh, you can learn more about the program, but basically any gift that you give towards that campaign between now and the end of the year uh, is going to be doubled uh, up to $70,000. So uh, I would encourage you to check that out at impactnations.com slash give. Uh, we've just released our year in review for 2019. The numbers are absolutely outstanding. We've done uh, 137,000 meals. Uh, we saw 225 young people graduate from our skills and business training courses around the world. Um, but you know what's interesting as I was planning that, I was just putting together that report, it's really easy for me sometimes to get lost in the numbers. Uh, but then I get a text message or a story from across the world and I remember that each one of those numbers has a name and a face to it. There's a story behind it. Uh, I was chatting with Annabelle, our partner from Uganda, who's rescuing teenage girls uh, from the streets who have been impregnated at the hands of an abuser. And she was just telling me about a, a young girl, very young, age 13, who just gave birth to a little baby named Isaiah. Uh, and her story, honestly, is just too horrific for me to repeat here, but that rescue would not have been possible without our donors. And then I think about, you know, what happens to this young girl now, and she's going to be able to receive some of this business training that I was talking about, uh, and we'll have a hope and a future for her and her child as a result. Uh, I just... A couple days ago, I was reading this incredible story about a young woman named Maggie who, in 2018, received our business training. And she now, a year later, I just received a report. She's now running her own business, employing 10 other women from the slums who are all able to put their own kids through school. But not only that, they're actually uh, contributing to a local feeding program themselves. So the ripple effect of this stuff is astounding. It's incredible. So if you'd like to contribute towards these types of programs, I would encourage you to head to impactnations.com give, where your donation will be doubled right up until the end of the year. Or if you're interested in these specific programs, such as crisis pregnancy or the basic business and skills development stuff, you can head to impactnations.com Christmas, where you can give very specifically to some of those programs. There's lots and lots of gifts starting as low as $5 right now. Uh, so again, thank you to all of our donors for helping us make this happen. We're just so blessed to see what God is doing in our midst. And I can't wait to see what he's got for us in 2020. Uh, but for now, we're going to jump to that clip as promised. So this is what... This they, was me teaching on the Eucharist. The Eucharist, gotcha. And I looked at, I look through the whole one that will come up later. I look at the different traditions. But the clip is, again, it's uh, I am the bread of life mm -hmm. and how that is, that is profoundly Eucharistic which is about Thanksgiving, yeah. but is profoundly incarnational. Mm. All right. Well, enjoy. Thanks so much. As I often do when I teach you, I want to go back to what the historic church and uh, its, its early teachers believed. I did a lot of reading on the church fathers around this whole issue of the Eucharist. Um, for me, I, I, I take great story in what the church fathers and mothers say. Uh, the, because, you know, for example, I was reading uh, what Ignatius had to say about his own uh, pending martyrdom in terms of uh, the Eucharist and bread. And Ignatius, 
who was martyred in about 109, you know, he was the direct disciple of the Apostle John. Um, so these are people that I really listen to. So, the starting point for the Church Fathers was John 6, the passage I started with tonight. <clears throat> they continuously came back in their writings to the fact that Jesus is the bread of heaven, Jesus is the bread of life. It's amazing how often they turn to that. And that the risen one gives himself fully to us in the Eucharist. That's his giving to us every time we partake. Uh, it is resurrection food. They said that Jesus is living bread because his body, and we're back to what I tried to open up in terms of incarnation last week, because his body is composed of the whole life of the cosmos needed together. The bread represents all of the cosmos needed together. And of course, as we said last week, the creator became creature. He is, he is incarnate in all of the cosmos. His life permeates all of the cosmos, and this, of course, includes the human race. Ignatius, I forgot I wrote that here, Ignatius, that same early church father, called the Eucharist the leaven of immortality. Certainly it was not just a symbol or a token. <clears throat> it needs to be received in faith. This is really important. It needs to be received in faith, but its power is objective and independent of our attitude toward it. When Jesus says it is finished, when as I taught you last week and in past weeks, that he reconciled all things to himself. And I always get you to say, how many things? And you say, all things. It is a complete work, independent of our attitude toward it. <laughs> how we feel about it doesn't change the reality. It does, however, affect our receiving the blessing and the life of that reality. That goes all the way back to the issue of free will. It's the same thing with the Eucharist. Frankly, if I come to it as I did for years, as a reminder, and thank you, Lord, for what you did, which is fine. That is, after all, part of what he said, do this in remembrance of me. But if I leave it at symbolic, then there's so much more life and mystery and power and presence. It's there, but I'm not receptive. I'm not receiving it. I'm oblivious to it. So it needs to be received. Our attitude toward the Eucharist can only restrict or encourage the spread of the Holy Spirit's fire, the Eucharistic fire that comes in the Eucharist. Does that make sense to you? Okay. Here's another church father. I'm going to give you a few this, this evening. Cyril said this, and all of this is about me talking about the bread of life that it's not symbolic. <clears throat> the church father Cyril said, Christ himself declared, speaking of the bread, this is my body. Who then will hesitate in future? And when he himself asserts categorically that this is my blood, who will doubt it and say that it is not his blood? That's fairly straightforward, isn't it? The bread reminds us and reflects the reality of John 14, 20. 
Ben, I think I might have just prayed tonight. I know I mentioned it already. I'm in the Father, you're in me, I'm in you. It's a, it's a, it's a life verse for me. I got a few of them. <laughs> well, Gregory of Nyssa, one of the Cappadocian fathers, you probably don't care about that, but he's an amazing church father, amazing theologian. He said, since bread is absorbed by the body, it becomes the body itself, right? That makes sense? When I take in the bread, more than remembering Christ's sacrifice, I am receiving the bread of heaven, the very body of Christ, into myself. And therefore, I am in incarnational unity with him. This is deeper stuff than remembering, isn't it? The third point around, around the incarnation and the Eucharist. He says in verse 55 of John 6, my flesh is real food. I've been thinking about that the last couple of days. You know, I always joke uh, when I'm preaching, I often joke out of John 6 because he says, eat my flesh, drink my blood, and everybody runs away. And he turns to Peter and says, are you guys going to leave too? And he says, where else could we go? We're hooked. You've heard me say that. But if we go deeper, beyond me just making a very surface thing, my flesh is real food. No wonder so many people ran away. They just couldn't take that in. It seems too intimate. It seems too personal. Um, Even beyond the Jews' natural aversion to, to, to meat that the blood hadn't been drained from, uh, I think they shied away from this deeply personal statement. Notice he didn't say, this is my spirit given to you. We get that in John 20, but that's not what he says here. He says, this is my flesh. (coughs) In the Eucharist, Jesus is giving us his full humanity as well as his divinity. Like last week, like I told you in the Incarnation last week, by doing this, once again, he is declaring all human life is sacred. Do you hear that? All human life. The unborn and the born. The young, the old. The black, the brown, the white, the oriental. All human life is sacred. And also, like last week, This points to, the Eucharist points to the word I gave you, hypostasis, fully God, fully man. The bread is made up of two elements now. One is earthly, and one is heavenly. So when we partake of the Eucharist, we are stepping into like a parallel realm of the earthly, the natural, and the heavenly. Remember what he said to um, Nicodemus in John 3? He's talking to him and he says, Nicodemus, don't you get, if you can't, if you can't get the earthly things, how are you going to get the heavenly things? I believe that the Eucharist is among many other things. It's a ladder for me to the heavenly things. Every time I take it. So it is this hypostasis. 
So this statement, <clears throat> pardon me, this statement, my flesh is real food, emphasizes that Christ is physically present in the bread and the wine. And you know, eating the bread establishes that we are the body of Christ. I'm going to say a little more about that later. The body of Christ, we, many of us as evangelicals, it's turned to this kind of ethereal, oh, I'm in the body of Christ. But it's incredibly deep, incredibly deep. And the Eucharist itself, because of what, for example, what, what we, we saw uh, Gregory of Nyssa say, that, that the bread becomes our body. Christ becomes our body. Christ in me, I tell you, I'm not playing word games when I'm with the Lord in the mornings as I breathe it again and again and again. You're in me and I'm in you. You're in me and I'm in you. It's not a mantra. It's not a word game. It's me getting in frankly, I believe, internally into the rhythm of the cosmos because he is in the entire cosmos. I don't want to get too ethereal on you, but I tend to be a little that way sometimes. Well, I hope you enjoyed that clip of the upcoming Season 3 of the Impact Nations podcast. Uh, Don't forget to tune in on January 2nd when the first episode drops. In the meantime, if you'd like to get involved in what Impact Nations is doing around the world, uh, check out impactnations.com slash give, or uh, for our specific Christmas catalog campaign, you can head to impactnations.com slash Christmas. Thanks, and have a great day.